Hello, and welcome to episode 41 of Behind the Schemes, a conversation about protecting our planet's precious wildlife from commerce, corruption, and counterfeit cures. This is Risha Kota Larson, and in this episode, we're talking about the two least known rhino species, the Javan and Sumatran rhinos. Both are classified as critically endangered by the IUCN Red List of Threatened Species. Sumatran rhinos once roamed the foothills of the Himalayas in Bhutan and northeastern India, through southern China, Myanmar, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos PDR, Vietnam, Malaysia, and onto the islands of Sumatra and Borneo in Indonesia. Javan rhinos were also widespread and could be found in Bangladesh, Myanmar, Thailand, Laos PDR, Cambodia, Vietnam, probably southern China, and through Malaysia to Sumatra and Java. But today, viable populations of Javan and Sumatran rhinos are found only in Indonesia. That's right, extinct in every country except one. How can this be? Well, as usual, rhino horn trade is the culprit. The continued use of rhino horn for traditional Chinese medicine pushed these two species closer to the edge of extinction than any other mammal on the planet. And of course, we all know that rhino horn has zero proven medicinal qualities. In addition to the ever-present danger of being killed for their horns, Javan and Sumatran rhinos are threatened by the loss of habitat as Indonesian rainforests are destroyed for palm oil, pulp, and paper. One of the major corporate culprits is Asia pulp and paper. Now, APP has attempted to greenwash this issue, but don't be fooled. Go ahead, look it up on the interwebs. But today, we're talking about the positive work being done on behalf of Javan and Sumatran rhinos by the International Rhino Foundation and their on-the-ground partner, the Rhino Foundation of Indonesia. On May 12th of this year, a second baby Sumatran rhino was born at the Sumatran Rhino Sanctuary. She is the second success story for the sanctuary following the birth of Andatu, which occurred on June 23rd, 2012. Not only has the International Rhino Foundation been instrumental in the groundbreaking births of these rare rhinos, they have implemented livelihood projects for the local communities. Here is Dr. Susie Ellis to tell us more about this innovative program. Javan and Sumatran rhinos are literally teetering at the edge of extinction. But what does that mean, and how many of these rhinos are actually left? Dr. Susie Ellis explains. Well, we've had some good news about Javan rhinos recently. We have finally achieved full coverage of Ujangkula National Park with camera traps. And between 58 and 61 individuals have been confirmed by the camera trap team in Ujangkula National Park. And that those data have been verified by a subset of the Asian rhino specialist group. So we're thrilled about that. And then we've also seen some footage of three uh, rhino calves in Ujangkula. So we know for sure we have at least 60 animals in the park. And that population has hovered around 50 individuals for quite some time, but now we have the best handle on exactly what's going on with the population, perhaps that we've ever had in history. And then with Sumatran rhinos, um, they are, there is not a whole lot of good news with Sumatran rhinos. We have um, four wild sites for Sumatran rhinos, um, Bukit Barisan, Silatan, which um, may have between 15 and 30 individuals. Um, 
Gunung Loser National Park, which we think has about 24 individuals, Wicombus National Park, which has between 31 and 36, and then a small population has been discovered in central Kalimantan, which probably is between three and eight individuals. So altogether, we know we have, we're confident that we have about 100 Sumatran rhinos, and they are continually continuing to decline despite the fact that they're being protected. So we have uh, spent a lot of time this past year looking hard at the biological data and bringing together groups of stakeholders to do uh, very intensive strategic planning based on the science. And that those efforts have been funded by the Disney Reverse the Decline Fund, which has been very generous in trying to help us develop a 10-year strategy to recover the population. Excellent. And is there going to be any way to bring those populations together? I know a few years ago there was talk of trying to do that. Well, we have we have three populations that we know are uh, that are in better shape, let's say, than the rest. The, the problem is we have altogether we have ten subpopulations, and so we have three populations: the one in Bukit Barisan, Silatan, Wicombus, and Lozer, that um, are. Um, are not in great shape, but they are the largest populations. But then we have seven other populations that range anywhere from between two and 10 individuals. And so one of the things that we are uh, taking to heart are the lessons learned from African rhino management. And that is these animals tend to do well if they can be consolidated into larger populations and they can be very well protected and essentially left alone. Of course, capturing a rhino in Africa is nothing is, is nothing similar to capturing a rhino in dense rainforest. So the logistics of moving animals is is really uh, quite a challenge. Oh, I would imagine so. After having um, squished through those rainforests myself. One of the most important aspects of wildlife protection is the effect on local people. Is it possible for local communities to actually benefit from wildlife? It's a complicated and controversial issue. But the International Rhino Foundation is having success with its livelihood projects in Indonesia. IRF, as well as most other conservation organizations, recognize that local communities living alongside protected areas where there are endangered species need to benefit from their protection. and it's it's a it's a challenge. It's it's easy to go in and say, well, this is what we think you need, rather than uh, actually going in and asking the communities what they need. So we have been successful with um, Sumatran rhinos in, in Bukit Barisan, in particular, uh, working with community communities to improve livelihoods, helping them change from uh, monoculture crops of coffee, which yield once a year, to other crops like cacao that yield several times a year, which then improve uh, the income for families. But it, it, it's a challenge. It's a, a challenge to help create ownership of um, their biological heritage because most people don't go right into the middle of the rainforest. They they haven't seen these animals up close. And in fact, our own, our own rhino protection units don't see them um, 
one on one very often. So um, it's it's in a way it's kind of abstract protecting something that you never see. That's why these camera trap videos from job from on the job and rhinos have been so nice because people act, are actually able to see the animals and see what they look like and and uh, boy they just knock your socks off with their size and their uh, robustness and their uh, their. Uh, very primitive looking. One of our more successful programs has been in Ujangkulan National Park, um, where we are employing local communities to help get rid of an invasive palm called the Oranga Palm, which basically chokes out rhino food plants. It takes over the understory, the middle story, and the canopy. And we have been hiring, uh, I guess we've hired a little over, maybe a, a few more than 120 people to come in and help us with that project um, and have cleared 78 hectares um, in in the eastern area of the park. So we plan to continue that work um, and continue to, as people, as we're employing people also to try to instill in them how important um, the species is and and to help engender pride that it's found nowhere else on earth. I hope by now that our podcast listeners and blog readers are well aware that there are five rhino species, two in Africa and three in Asia. But the two most threatened rhino species, the Javan and Sumatran, are unfortunately the least known. Well, we need to uh, just let people know that they're out there. You know, most people tend to think of black and white rhinos on the savannas of Africa, on the plains, and don't really have any knowledge that there are these rainforest species that are quietly uh, going extinct. And so we're, we'll be working over the next few years to develop some really solid um, communications campaigns around that around around these species so that we can spread the word that you know oh my gosh these are some of the most unique species on earth and with Javan rhinos numbering about 60 and Sumatran rhinos numbering about 100 you know and they can't be lost we just can't lose them on our watch absolutely not well thank you so much Susie for spending time with us and talking about these amazing rhino species you're welcome You've been listening to the Behind the Schemes podcast, episode 41, with Dr. Susie Ellis, Executive Director of the International Rhino Foundation. We've been talking about the innovative work being done by the International Rhino Foundation and their Indonesian counterpart to implement innovative livelihood projects for local communities who live side by side with Sumatran and Javan rhinos. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you learned new things on our podcast and will join us in our battle to stop the economic exploitation of endangered species. Be sure to check out the Behind the Schemes blog on our website, animiticus.com. This is Risha Kota Larson with Behind the Schemes.